Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about the state of minority men's health and what can we do. Now, according to the CDC, men in the U.S. on average die five years earlier than women and die at higher rates from the three leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, and unintentional injuries. Now, we know that all Americans, all Americans should have equal opportunities to pursue a healthy lifestyle, regardless of their circumstances. And our community, we have leaders and organizations that are setting up initiatives to help to find solutions to offer health equity to everyone. Now, joining us today is Dr. Charles Modlin, a nationally renowned kidney transplant surgeon and urologist and an author of his new book. It isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. Dr. Modlin will talk about some of the issues that affect the health of our men and give us tips on how we can address these and overcome the health problems in our community. He will also talk about his new book and what gave him the inspiration to write it. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. How are you today, my hey, sister? Vicki Doe, don't you know? What is yeah. going on with you today? I don't know. You know, the weather's not too bad. I'm surprised. I kind of like, all right, I can do this. I know, yeah. I know. And and we, mm-hmm. still, we mm-hmm. still haven't had any major nothing quite yet, so that's a mm-hmm. good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Even, exactly. Even though we are in Northeast Ohio, so anything can I know. happen. Anything goes. <laughs> anything goes. Anything yeah. goes. But we are here, and this is a great day. Well, this is our episode, episode 219. And today, today we talk about the state of minority men's health and what can we do. When we look at the health care the public health, the healthcare communities and organizations in our area, Northeast Ohio, they are dedicated to raising awareness about healthcare for men and they are focused on encouraging boys, men and their families to practice and implement healthy living decisions such as exercising and healthy eating. Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, men in the United States on average die five years earlier than women and die at higher rates from the three leading causes of death, heart disease, cancers, and unintentional injuries. In general, according to the CDC, African-Americans are living right now. They're living longer. The death rate for African-Americans decreased 25% from 1999 to 2015. However, African-Americans ages 18 to 49 are two times as likely to die from heart disease than whites and African-Americans ages 35 to 64 years 
are 50% more likely to have high blood pressure than whites. Chronic diseases are affecting our community earlier. And when diseases start early, they lead to death earlier. Research also suggests that chronic diseases and their risk factors can be silent or not diagnosed during the early years. According to CDC, health differences also are often due to economic and social conditions that are more common among African-Americans than whites. For example, African-American adults are more likely to report that they cannot see a doctor because of costs. All Americans, however, should have equal opportunities to pursue a healthy lifestyle. Our community, we have leaders and we have healthcare agencies that are setting up initiatives to address and find solutions in dealing with the many health disparities in our community. So we have joining us Dr. Charles Modlin, a nationally renowned kidney transplant surgeon and urologist and an author of his new book, It Isn't Difficult to Do It If You Know How to Do It. And Dr. Modlin would talk about some of the issues that affect the health of our African-American men, such as prostate cancer, kidney disease, and, and other chronic diseases. And he will give us tips on what we can do to be more aware and to be more proactive. He will also talk about his new book and his inspiration and motivation for writing it. So we can't wait to hear from him. Right, D? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. We cannot wait. Folks, make sure, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the other platforms that you listen to your podcasts on. When you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we are bringing in guests and and talking about the things that are important to our health and our well-being and important for our community. And as you know, we do not just talk about our physical health, but we talk about other things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. We believe in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you rate where you can rate a podcast show, make sure you rate ours. Give us a five-star review because that is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we appreciate you. And as always, what do we say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, as we go Along the calendar of the year, we're getting close to the holidays, and I'm kind of looking forward to it, you know. I guess we are trying to hurry up and end this year on a good note and, and you no know, question. have the holidays come in, spend time with our families now, because a lot of folks are vaccinated, and so we can yeah, spend time yeah. with our elderly that's a part of our family yeah. and stuff now. Yeah. So this Christmas... Well, you know, too, uh, also, uh-huh. Businesses are trying to make up the money that they've lost. Yes, over they are. Prices, you know, so that's why they're out there pushing all their stuff. And you know, with everything being backordered and all of that, it's a whole, you know, uh, perfect storm for financial disaster. I'm sure that's probably why they're doing all this Christmas stuff early. I know, but have ha- has that prompted you to to do your Christmas shopping early? A negatory. <laughs> <laughs> A negatory. Uh, there, there's a there's a lady in our office. She's she's um administrative secretary for our um school, you know. And I mean, she is so organized. She 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 got her her uh presents. She does them ahead of time and this and that. So I was like, uh, maybe I should do that. So I hey. told her I did wow. one. So I did do one. Yeah, I okay, did one present. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not quite it. <laughs> but at least that's a start. That's better than what I've... That's, good, that's, that's better than me. That's what I'm saying. That's better than what I do usually, yeah, so... Yeah. That's it. So tell me, though, what was your week like? How was it? Um, it was good. So I went to a concert last week, Cleveland Orchestra, and heard his name is Sheku Kane Mayan. Okay. And he's from a very musical, uh, I would say African, they're not African-American, uh, British African Okay. African family okay. from London, and he played at Megan and Harry's wedding. Ah. And so he's in the United States now touring, and he was just absolutely fabulous. And he got a ton of standing ovations. It was great. Oh, wow. And then roll around on Saturday night, just the opposite. I went to an old school concert with the dramatics okay. and okay. the whispers. And Jeffrey Osborne, and that was fun too. Okay. And where was that hell? Where was that at? That was uh, uh, the uh, Cleveland Playhouse. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. got something um, where they renovated the corner, the, 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 that room the, at the Playhouse. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah what is yeah. it? And, you know, it was, I forget the name of it. Uh, is it Connor? Connor? I think it's Connor. Yeah, yeah, it's Connor. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You had to stand in line and show your vaccination record. Mm, uh, and mm. if you didn't have a mask, they had people handing out masks. So you couldn't get in. They had about five lines going. Mm-hmm. And you had to show either on your phone or on your person your vaccination record and your ID. They had to match up. Okay, okay. Wow. So that's a step, that's a step forward in you know, trying to get people back out into the open, but masks were mandatory, but you had to have your vaccination card to get in there. Okay, wow. Yeah, Yeah, because Mm -hmm. my brother T said that when he went to a function, it was by the the Urban League. They had like a black and white, you know, fundraising Uh um, tire. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I think it was in Chicago or Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because he has a friend that's over there. But um, yeah, they had to show their their vaccination card, and that was a part of the protocol and wearing your mask. So yeah. people aren't playing. Yeah, no, they're not playing. Mm-hmm. No, they're not playing, and they shouldn't play. This is too serious, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to get vaccinated or whatever, then you can't come in here. That's it's it. Serious. And that's your choice. That's yeah. your choice. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a good as usual. And, I did. I did. And that's great. What is going on this week, D? Everything. <laughs> everything, Vicky. Everything. Well, you know, we keep hearing about this this concert where all these young Ooh. people, these young <laughs> folks were, and they were they ended up. Um, crushing the stage and stampede each other. It was a mess in Houston, you know. Have you ever been to a concert like that, Vicky? No, I've been where it's pretty pat, but not where the point where you're suffocating and you're stomping on people and stuff. That's ridiculous. I don't like anybody that much that I would go see for all that. Nope. But yeah, they said it. at least maybe eight dead already. Yeah. Yeah, And and people in the hospital in critical condition. And little kids Little kids. Isn't that terrible? That's sad. And so the key is, and the questions are being asked, don't they have a, some type of rule of how many people can congregate? That's what I thought. That's a hard question, Vicki. That's a hard question. Don't they have a cold measure? Yes. If you can't go over that? I mean, I, I don't get it. Are people that greedy that they're just going to ignore those kinds of things? Because this isn't the first time that... Those mm-hmm. kind of stampedes have occurred. And in fact, mm-hmm. the, the police chief went to Travis Scott mm-hmm. and told him that, you know, they anticipated large crowds because supposedly, and I stand corrected, mm-hmm. he's had problems before at his concert. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to control it. But then once the folks got there, they were like, okay, we can't really shut it down now because then we might have, you know, Riot. So they were trying to figure right. out how to, how could they end the concert early. So it was just a lot of mess going on there. It's terrible, just 
terrible. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, some heads are going to roll. Oh, big time. Some heads are going to roll. Yeah, because they have. Some heads are going to roll. They have said out there, they put it out there that they have dozens of civil uh, lawsuits. They've been filed. Imagine. By folks that are injured, too. And by the family. So those are the loved ones that were killed. So we you shall see. They had 50,000 people out there, Vicki. 50,000. Yes. Yes. Boom. We cannot Boom. just. And that's what the chief was saying. He was like, well, we cannot just close when you've got 50,000. And they had over 50,000 individuals. So wow. they had to, you know, it was it was just a mess. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. And, and the, just loss. I mean, you hate when there's any loss of life. And mm-hmm. there, I don't know if you saw yesterday this family. Mm-hmm. There were two brothers and the father. One of the brothers had been killed. And they it was just so sad. They were breaking down on CNN and crying. And I know. Talking about how that shouldn't have happened and this, that, and the other. It was the saddest. Oh, oh yes. Goodness. And they said, you know, even though they had the, the eight deaths, there were more than 300 people that were injured. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, okay, wow. really? That's wow. a that's a that's a total mess up right there. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And and the mm-hmm. deaths um for the eight people killed range the age range from fourteen to twenty seven. And uh, Oh my goodness. And they have yet to be mm. determined. So this is something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this we haven't heard the end of this. This is just sad. I know. But yeah, so that was what was going on. So our prayers go out to mm-hmm. to folks. Yes, but, absolutely. But at absolutely. the at the end of the day, you know, we're still in a pandemic. I mean, we got to use our brain. Do you want to be? Uh, I know. With fifty thousand people in the pandemic, do you? I, I mean, don't think so. No, I don't know whether they were checking vaccination records. I don't think so. <laughs> I doubt it, right? I mean, it's not funny, but I, yeah, I doubt, I would doubt it, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. so our hearts definitely go out to that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then our next thing, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Dee, but Youngstown State University, they're having major cuts, and it's mm-hmm. planned for. As, as Charles Barkley would say, that's terrible. That's terrible. Ter- <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it did, did. These are these are cuts planned for 2022, mm. and mm. yeah, mm. that is mm. a mess because you know we see when we go down, you know, we go down our street, and further down, you see all of the construction, all of the beautiful buildings that have gone up. But COVID has affected a lot of the universities, and so they had to you know, talk about in a closed door meeting. And this was about at least um, a week or two ago. They, you know, discussed several of the academic programs that they're going to have to end um, before they start the 2022 fall semester. And so, yeah. How do you how do you have a college that doesn't? I mean, I can get I understand Italian, although there's a petition going around because, you know, I love my Italian language. It's going on talking about how why they're getting rid of Italian in a a town that's heavily populated by former Italian immigrants and has such a a strong Italian history. Let's say you eliminate that. How do you have a college that doesn't have French? I mean, that's a major French and Spanish. They didn't say Spanish, but French. How do you have a college that doesn't teach French? Well, how do you have a college that, that that's getting rid of the health education slash physical education? physical education. education. Yes. Correct. Yes. How do you get a degree in music without music theory? That's it. They're getting rid of that. That's the bachelor's level. How do you have an art major without art history? Yeah. I mean. Art education. Yeah. yeah. Art, right. Computer information systems really in the era of computers? I know. So it's something. I'm baffled. I'm baffled. Yes. And that, yeah, family and consumer studies. And then in the master's level, they're getting rid of music, history, and literature, art education, yeah. American yeah. studies, gerontology yeah. on both levels, bachelor's level and, and master's. Masters. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They're doing away with um, 19 academic programs. Mm. And the reason why they're saying it is that, you know, the finance and business operations guy, Neil McNally, told Mahoning Matters, this is the 
the newspaper that I found this in, the news uh, feed that I found it in, that the university estimates a $5.6 million structural deficit cut in response to this year's student enrollment decline. And that's one of the reasons they're saying that for fall 2021 semester, YSU reported a record low student enrollment of 11,298 students. Well, the the record low, I'll, I'll repeat that, the record low was that their student enrollment was a total of 11,293, but the enrollment decline was by a, um, 1,300, uh, so 1,398 students. So about 11%, if student enrollment continues to decline for the 2022-2023 school year, the university could face a revenue shortfall of at least $10 million and possibly more. Mm. And so mm. that's why they had to make the decision to, you know, to cut some of mm. these um, programs. So that's kind of sad, though. It really is because it makes a difference yeah. on your university, a big yeah. difference. Yeah, it does. it does. You know, how do you stay competitive? Yeah, yeah. And then that means getting rid of faculty and teachers as well. So that's going to be something. That's going to be something. Mm -hmm. But that's what's happening here in our Youngstown area. Okay, so our health tip, our health tip for today will go quickly. It is five exercise and nutrition myths. And it's written by Health Day News. But we always want to leave with a health tip. And this time we're leaving with this because... We still got a lot of myths and, and fallacies and mm -hmm. crazy stuff out there. And so mm -hmm. figuring out which nutrition and exercise information is trustworthy may be difficult, says the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Disease Diseases. The agency debunks these common misconceptions. Number one, bread, pasta, and rice are not necessarily fattening. Try to eat whole grains, though, to feel fuller. Number two, you do not have to avoid all fats if you're trying to lose weight. Go for foods with healthy fats, such as avocados and nuts. Number three, dairy products may not be unhealthy. Adults should have three servings a day of low-fat dairy products. And I will have to add in there, you know, but it depends on an individual because some folks do have underlying allergies. Number four, physical activity does not have to be for long periods. You can perform short spurts of activity during the week. And last but not least, lifting weights will not always make you look too bulky. Only intense strength training will build large muscles. And so that's why it's important, most especially as we age, for us to think about making sure that we do some type of strength training so that we can keep and tone our lean muscle mass. All right. So those are some ex some tips and some some myths we wanted to debunk. So what's the latest, D? <laughs> well, the latest is um, the vaccine Pfizer got approval for the 5 to 11, and that's being ramped up. I've been talking to some of my pediatrician friends. And uh, like here, Akron, Akron um, Children's Hospital has been ramping up, giving out vaccines. They seem to be going well, very few of any side effects at all. Okay. Um, and then today, Pfizer just uh, presented data to the FDA to try to get everybody vaccinated. I mean, you know, a booster. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, not, not vaccinated, but everybody to get a booster now instead of just those few that they initially asked for. So, yeah, hopefully we're, we're going to see some, some turning at the end. Uh, we'll see a light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Yes, that's it. That's it. Well, that's a good thing. And so we're moving yeah. forward, right? We're moving. We are moving forward. Yes. Your honey sweet and I are tired. We tired. Y'all tired. tired. I know. Y'all tired. tired. Yes. Tired. Yes. Yes. Tired. Yes. <laughs> All right. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. 
We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about the state of minority men's health and what we can do. And research has shown that chronic diseases such as colon cancer, prostate cancer, heart disease, and kidney disease disproportionately affect African-American men. Our public health and healthcare communities have programs and initiatives that are specifically created to address these health issues and health disparities. But what can we do personally? Well, joining us is Dr. Charles Modeling, a nationally renowned kidney transplant surgeon and urologist and an author of his new book. It isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. Now, Dr. Modlin will talk about some of the issues that affect our health, most especially the health of our African-American men, such as chronic diseases, such as prostate cancer, kidney disease. And he will give us tips on what we can do to be more proactive to live a healthier life. He will also talk about his new and amazing, wonderful book and his motivation for writing it. So let's listen to our interview with Dr. Charles Modlin. Here with us today is Dr. Charles Modlin. He's a renowned kidney transplant surgeon and urologist. He's a health equity advocate, community leader, public speaker, mentor, and author of his new book, It Isn't Difficult to Do It If You Know How to Do It. Now, Dr. Modlin is board certified by the American Urological um, Association and is currently on the physician staff at the Metro Health System in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, prior to coming to Metro Health, Dr. Modlin was formerly a 25-year member of the Cleveland Clinic physician staff where he founded the Cleveland Clinic's Minority Men's Health Center, and that was established at the Cleveland Clinic's annual uh, Minority Men's Health Fair. And he was named by the Atlanta Post as one of the top 21 black doctors in America. Today, Dr. Modlin, oh, I have to add this in, Dr. Modlin was the first African-American staff urologist in the history of Cleveland Clinic and the first and only ever black kidney transplant surgeon in the history of Cleveland Clinic. Now today, Dr. Modlin is joining us to talk about the state of of minority men's health, you know, regarding the prevalence of prostate cancer, kidney disease, and other chronic diseases. And he's going to talk about the importance of screenings and, and some of the treatment options available and all of that. And of course, he's here to discuss his new book. It isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. And he's going to share with us his motivation for writing this book. So how are you, Dr. Charles Modlin? How are you, Dr. Modlin? Well, yeah, I'm doing very well, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you on, on your podcast and get the word about, out about the, uh, the book I've written, but also uh, get the word out about the importance of preventative health screenings for men of color and everybody in general. So, no, I'm, I'm proud to be here. I'm doing very well. All right. 
do you do you have to say anything? <laughs> no, just I'm just echoing what you said. We're very happy to have you here today, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. And I already know what I'm giving out for Christmas. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what I'm giving out. For oh, Christmas. big time! Most especially, yeah. most yeah. especially, and and for you too, uh, D too. But most especially since my daughter is in medical school. One of my daughters. This is her second year. And then D, you know, your daughter doing her thing. Yeah, and she's so, finishing up her fellowship, so I think it's still timely for her as well. Mm-hmm, to give them encouragement. So we appreciate this book. <laughs> you know, let's share with our audience. You are a kidney transplant surgeon and a urologist. And so explain to the audience, what is a kidney transplant surgeon? You know, what do you do? And, you know, as a urologist, what do you do as well? So, yeah, no, I'm happy to. So I actually um, went to college and medical school at Northwestern University in in Evanston in Chicago, and then I did my six-year urology residency at NYU. And during my residency rotation, I actually was exposed to the field of kidney transplantation. So urologists are surgeons who operate on the kidney, but then a subspecialty of urology as well as uh, general surgery is uh, kidney transplantation surgery. So, as you know, there are a number of individuals who develop what we call end-stage kidney disease or renal failure, kidney failure, where the kidneys don't work. Um, The leading causes of kidney failure are diabetes and high blood pressure, hypertension. And so individuals um, who have kidney failure need what we call renal replacement therapy, either in the form of going on dialysis, and there's different types of dialysis, or if they qualify, if they're medically suitable to receive a, a, a kidney transplant, we can transplant somebody else's kidney into them, either from a deceased donor or from a living donor individual who's been evaluated and, and deemed suitable. So it, it's actually a, a life-improving, life-saving operation in, in many people. There's a, over 120,000 people nationally on, uh, waiting to receive a, a, a kidney transplant. Mm. Um, the best, the, the most preferred wow. way is to receive a kidney from a living individual. If you have a living individual who, who could step forward to uh, to donate a kidney, you know we know people can, you know most people are born with two kidneys, and we know that individuals can live with one kidney as long as they're healthy. So, yeah, I, over the years I've transplanted probably over 500 kidneys mm. in my role as a wow. kidney transplant surgeon at uh, Cleveland Clinic, and it's it just really. Um, inspiring to be able to help people in, in this way. And, and a lot of times after the transplant, people the next morning, you know, they, they're invigorated. They're, they, they, they feel a difference after receiving that kidney transplant. So, wow. yeah, we need to get more people out there registering to be organ donors and, and make more people aware of the impact of kidney disease, but also make people more aware of how we can prevent, you know, the onset of kidney disease. Well, yes, that's very impressive, and we're glad that you're able to to help folks. But when it comes to donating kidneys, I don't know do we do we donate kidneys, or is that that's not- what I was wondering? Is that are we still are we still lagging behind as African Americans or people of color in terms of organ donation and and or kidney donation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are unfortunately, and see, here's the thing. African-Americans make up about 12% of the United States population, yet we represent clearly a third of all of those individuals nationwide who need a kidney transplant. And Mm -hmm. one reason is because the the leading causes, as I mentioned, high blood pressure, diabetes, or a combination of both, are more prone, they're more prevalent in the black community. Oftentimes, we develop diabetes and high blood pressure. We, we may not even know that we have it until it's, it reaches an advanced stage, uh, until it's actually already affected the kidneys. So we have a greater incidence of kidney disease. We have a greater need for receiving a kidney transplant. However, the statistics show that we need to, as a, as a group of individuals, as a group of people, African-Americans, people of color, we need to step up and become more educated, more knowledgeable about this issue. And in, in, in many situations, we need to sign up on that organ donor registry to, to be willing mm-hmm. to, to right. gift our, our organs after we pass on. Um, we need mm-hmm. to tell our families what our wishes are so that they will know. 
and you know there are many situations where we can actually serve as living donors to a loved one, a, a relative, a spouse, you know, a family member. But we need to know the facts. We need to know that living donation is an option. It's the preferred option over dialysis. So, yeah, we have a, a lot of education to do and a long way to go. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, let's continue and talk about, you know, your advocacy for health equity, because we, we always talk about health disparities. They are definitely persisting in our community. And so what are some of the most persisting health disparities in our community? Are they being effectively addressed? And how can we effectively address, you know, these health disparities? So, yeah, there, there are a plethora of health disparities, and, and we, we actually see, unfortunately, health disparities in in people of color, in underserved populations across the spectrum of all of the specialties of medicine. And to highlight, you know, some examples, um, as I mentioned, African-American populations, uh, Hispanic Latinos, we have a higher incidence of high blood pressure. High high blood pressure, we call it the silent killer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Untreated high blood pressure leads to peripheral vascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, kidney disease, kidney failure. And, and the list goes on and on. We have a, a 180% higher incidence in some in some cases, twice the, the death rate, recurrence rate from stroke, 80% higher incidence of diabetes. We have the um, greatest incidence of any group in the country of dying from cancer, Spencer, especially the causes of cancer, um, breast cancer, lung cancer, colon cancer, and prostate cancer. Black men develop and die from, from prostate cancer twice as often as their white male counterparts, uh, four to six times greater incidence of developing kidney disease. These are just some stark examples of the healthcare disparities. And then collectively, these healthcare disparities contribute to the fact that African Americans, both men and women, have about a four to six on average shorter life expectancy compared to their white male and female counterparts. Even though the survival of, of, of people in the United States is, is increasing over the last several decades, there still persists that four- to six-year life expectancy gap when you look uh, at the life expectancy of black people. It, it's not enough to know that these disparities exist. That's a great mandatory first step. We need to educate our health care providers in the community mm-hmm. so that we will be aware. But we have to have an understanding uh, of, as to why these disparities exist. And, and I've, I've studied this over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. as have others. Mm-hmm. And we know that there are genetic, biologic predispositions. I mean, there are Prostate cancer, for example, it, there's a high genetic hereditary prevalence contribution. But there, and, and colorectal cancer and, and diabetes or some other examples of hereditary conditions, it doesn't mean that if somebody in your family has had these conditions that you automatically will. It means that you may inherit that gene and then it can become active, especially if. if um, if exposed to certain vi- environmental carcinogens, you know, smoking, alcohol, you know, eating an unhealthy diet. I mean, these these things can actually trigger and turn on genes that you may have inherited. But we know the majority about, it's estimated that 70 or 80 percent of the health disparities that we see are not necessarily due to the race, quote-unquote race of the individual, but due to certain social determinants of health, mm-hmm. you know, living in impoverished uh, environments, areas, not having access to, to health care, living mm-hmm. in toxic environments, um, you know, not having access to medications, mm-hmm. um, lack of transportation, all, all of living in, in uh, mm-hmm. next to uh, toxic uh, factories and things like that, uh, lack of education, all of these things contribute to the health care disparities that we see. So we need to become knowledgeable, and, and, and we need to have our, our hospital and, and, and healthcare systems, and you know, political part, um, you know, governmental uh, partners and, and corporate partners all come together so we can start addressing or continue to address these social determinants of health in a more substantive fashion, so we can see an end to a lot of these health disparities. We, we as you mentioned, we want to achieve health equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and everybody, to, in, in, in my eyes, everybody has, has a right. It, it should be a human right that everybody has mm-hmm. um, access to health care. Right. right. Dr. Marlin, question. Um, we were talking about the social determinants of health, but 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you look at some of the health disparities that we have as African Americans, if you you know don't account for social determinants, but if you put people next to each other, it kind of transcends socioeconomic. I mean, by that I mean whether you're middle middle class or upper class or lower class, whatever those are, we still do worse in some respects. Yeah, we do. And, 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 and yeah, and, and I'm glad you pointed that out because a lot of times the automatic default is for people to think that we're just talking about the impoverished, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. uneducated, mm -hmm. undereducated individuals. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, even affluent people of color mm -hmm. suffer from a greater incidence of health disparities, prostate, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of conditions that I mentioned, uh, you know, so it, 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 it doesn't just hit the lower socioeconomic, economically depressed members of society, you know, both uh, black or white. And, and again, that, that, that's why everybody needs to become aware of this. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you're um, a parent, you, you, you need to be aware of it because, you need to teach your children, you know, at, at a certain age, you need to start screening for prostate cancer, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if prostate cancer runs in the family, your son, your brother, you know, has a greater likelihood of developing prostate cancer. You know, black men should start screening for prostate cancer at the age of 40, mm -hmm. whereas the American Urologic Association recommends that white men don't need to start until the age of 55 unless they have a very I strong family that. history. I remember that, right. Yes. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 15-year differential recommendation as to when to start screening based on, on quote-unquote mm. race. I say quote-unquote because construct, it's, it's a man-made, right. you know, mm -hmm. concept. Uh, we're more genetically similar than we are dissimilar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, it's got to be used responsibly. Race can be used as a surrogate marker that a given individual or group of individuals, a population, has a greater incidence of disease, you know, African-Americans, for example, people of Mediterranean descent have a greater incidence of sickle cell trait, sickle cell anemia. Mm -hmm. And, but we don't want to stereotype, we don't, we don't want to discriminate, you know, when using race, but if used responsibly, it can be a good surrogate marker when a given individual should start screening for a certain condition. It, it can be a good surrogate marker, and, and we know this through medical research that, for example, African-Americans also respond better when treating high blood pressure and using a certain classification of anti-hypertensives, mm -hmm. you know, uh, blood mm -hmm. pressure medicine compared mm -hmm. to Caucasian individuals. So there, mm -hmm. there are differences that, that medical doctors and researchers and scientists and, and the community needs to be aware of. That's why we try to, within our own profession, we try to teach. It's no cookie-cutter approach anymore. Yes. It's not cookie-cutter. So before we get to your book, Dr. Maudlin, um, you are and have been, I've watched you for years on television, I've seen you on Leon Bibb's program and so forth, synonymous in Cleveland mm -hmm. with prostate cancer and African-American men. I mean, you are the personification of it. So what's going on now in Cleveland? What are you doing? Before we get to your book, what's, going, what's happening? What's happening right now in Cleveland with outreach programs and so forth? And we know we have the African Wellness Walk here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So what's, what's going on in Cleveland? So, yeah, there, there are a number of exciting things going on. So, I, 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 as you mentioned, I did transition my practice, my urology practice, to Metro Health. Mm -hmm. I was given an opportunity uh, to become a medical director. That's a new, newly created position, medical director of the Office of Inclusive Inclusion, the Equity. And, you know, oh, wow. I'm, I'm very proud to assume that. And, again, I, I always start off by thanking uh, the wonderful caregivers I had an opportunity to work with and partner with for 28 years at Cleveland Clinic. So I'm always grateful for the opportunity I had there. You know, we, we did a lot of great work with the Minority Men's Health Fair, but I'm proud to announce, you know, we're going to continue the Minority Men's Health Fair over at the Mentor Medical Center great. Thursday, April the 28th. Yeah, mm, yeah okay. next, uh, April, uh, Thursday, April the 28th, uh, between 5 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. Um, in mm -hmm. multiple Metro Health locations. To You know, we want people to stay tuned. Okay, the yes, details, yes. The yeah, announcements, websites. Uh, but we're going to continue that great work um, because we have a responsibility to care for, you know, many of the um, individuals who historically have, have felt left out, have felt shunned uh, from the med medical uh, system. You know, black men in particular, again, have the highest incidence of health disparities out of any group, you know, in, in the nation. And there's something that we can do about it. We, we don't have to accept 
you know, the, these grave statistics mm-hmm. uh, that we see African-American men dying at these alarmingly uh, high, mm-hmm. you know, rates, uh, at, you mm-hmm. know, young ages. So, you mm-hmm. know, that's one thing, you know, we're partnering with uh, some community organi- outreach organizations, the 100 Black Men of Greater Cleveland, Iowa mm-hmm. oh, wow. County um, Fatherhood Initiative, uh, Health Legacy of Cleveland, Business Volunteers Unlimited, n- a number of organizations that we have established partnerships with, the Black Professional Association Charitable Foundation. But, yeah, it's through these partnerships that we're able to do the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of it's about education. It's about you know, mm-hmm. you invited me on this podcast to help us get the word out. Mm-hmm. You know, without mm-hmm. partners such as you, a lot of men wouldn't know that the, these opportunities exist to, to come in and mm-hmm. get free screenings. Again, I uh, highlight, you know, it's important that everybody knows whenever we have a, you know, quote-unquote minority this or, or that, we welcome everybody. Yes. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a minority to right. from these programs. Everybody is welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if we do a men's health fair, women are welcome, but but we specifically want to target those high-risk groups. And, and so that's why it's a minority men's health fair. And the reason we started off a men's health fair wasn't to exclude women or children, but we focused, our initial disease was we focused on was prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And screening for toe, we have every service line. We have dermatology, GI, uh, endocrinology, cardiology, oh, wow. um, pulmonary, urology, nephrology. Every ology wow. you can think of, <laughs> you know, will be there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah that is. Uh, yeah, bariatric surgery. We're going to uh, be given COVID, um, you know, um, immunizations. Okay. Um, yeah. Hopefully this will be passed as COVID, you know, pandemic by then. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Wonderful. So let's talk about well, your book, right? Let's yeah, talk let's about talk the book. Let's talk about your book. Before you get into <laughs> oh, thank, it, I just wanted you. to say I, I got your book. I, I had no preconceived anything. I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm just going to curl up here and read this book. And I thought you were going to talk to us about training to be, I mean, you know, like a, 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 it was going to be a doctor book. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, didn't, mm-hmm. I was not expecting to go down that pathway that you took me, which was just Fabulous. So, so, Dickie, you can take it, take it from here. Well, I I got impressed with the very beginning when you named the book after, and we know, D, you, we've experienced this when our children, when they're little, they say something that's just so Mm -hmm. simple to them, and then we think about it and go, wow. um, Yeah. <laughs> the name of the book, it isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. So talk Tell about it. Just briefly yeah. how, you got, how you got the name and stuff. Yeah. Oh, sure. No, yeah, proud to. So, you know, when, when I think about that name, it, it, it almost sounds nonsensical, but, but it, it's, it's profound. I mean, that statement is profound, and I'm saying that because I'm not the one who came up with the title. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that I, that I come up with anything profound. But So, yeah, the, the story behind that is um, our middle daughter, Hannah, she's, she's uh, 23 years old now. She's actually a chemical engineering student down at Cleveland State. Okay. Um, but when wow. she was three years old, three and a half years old or so, she was playing a um, video game. It's called Crash Team Racing, a high high-paced, uh, uh, fast-paced video. You have to use uh, joysticks, you know, one in each hand. And she's sitting there in her little blue chair in front of the, the TV screen. And our nanny, Carolyn Jackson, she, she looks, that looks difficult to do. Is it difficult to do it? And without missing a beat, without turning around, you know, she's, she's playing the game. She goes, it isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. <laughs> and, and I remember that, you know, 20 some, you know, 18 years later or whatever. Mm-hmm. That statement actually, I mean, it says it all. I mean, it, it's, this is on, on par with something that Socrates, Plato, Otto would say. I mean, it, it's, it's really profound because it, it says it all. If we know how to do something, meaning that our armed and empowered in our, in our toolkit, in our armamentarium, with knowledge, wisdom, guidance, strategy in terms of how we want to get from point a to point B on our success journey, then our journey, our path will be a little easier than what it would be otherwise, acknowledging that no one can re- remove all of the obstacles, oppos- oppositions, roadblocks that 
you may experience, any one particular person is going to experience. We all have to experience ups and downs and challenges. However, if, if we're given a certain amount of knowledge, guidance, wisdom, awareness, you know, strategy, as we set off on our journey, then instead of, you know, meeting some of the roadblocks, we can, we can be able to go around, go through above and, and you know, around these roadblocks as opposed to if we did we were not armed with that information and as a result we can we can focus on higher level mental activities uh, as opposed to just confronting you know basic challenges that if we had been given the knowledge advice guidance earlier then then um, you know our, our, our pathway is going to be a little bit easier and so the book is based on Lessons I learned from my parents, uh, grandparents, uh, community, the church, the church I grew up in growing up in central Indiana, Newcastle, Indiana. Also, lessons I learned in college, uh, medical school, on, on my success journey in becoming a surgeon. The, the book is 384 pages. It's a comprehensive read. It, it's, I, I say it's a reference manual mm-hmm. where individuals should keep that with them. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just for individuals going to college. Anybody wishing to achieve mm-hmm. successes in their lives, it's mm-hmm. not just written for somebody who wants to go into the health professions. It's written for, mm-hmm. for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I have a workbook coming out to accompany it. But I, I um, oh okay, I would encourage oh, wow. um, parents, grandparents, guardians, caregivers, friends to to put this in the hands of anybody that you know, any student, anybody who wants to achieve successes. Mm-hmm. Because the, 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 the content I believe in, it, it's, um, and the way this came about with me writing this, I, I was asked to give a commencement address at John, at John Hay High School mm-hmm. in 2014, and, and I assembled my remarks, and I, I thought to myself, well, you know, my, my, my thoughts and comments shouldn't just end with this commencement address. And then I was given the Black Professional of the Year um, Award in 2015, where I gave similar remarks during during my speech. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, I, I should assemble this into a book form. So I took several years to, to put this together, um, got a publishing company, and, and it's been out since uh, mid-August. It's up on Amazon, okay. it's on Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble. People can mm-hmm. go on there and get it even now. But I would like, I think every every student, especially high school student, college student, and others in the country should should have a copy of this book, and I'm, I'm not just saying that, but no, I, I, I believe in I believe in the content. I'll say it for I'll say it for you. <laughs> it should be mandatory. Yes. And I'm going to do what I can do to get this in the hands of as many mm-hmm. students as I possibly can, because it is absolutely a guide to doing it. Yes, uh, if you will. Yes, and um, I'm a part of um, Kent State. I'm at Kent State University, and we have okay. um, a, a program that I helped start. It's called Finding Your Niche. And we have yeah. our students, you know, to to go through different workshops and meet to talk about um, um, their careers and what they're going to do after they graduate. So I'm definitely going to put it out there that everyone, they need to read this book, you know, they need Absolutely. to read this book. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, was the, um, I was the keynote speaker for the Black History Month program about a Two years ago, I think, down at Kent State it was. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great university. I, I really love it down there. Uh-huh, okay. You, you mentioned, Dr. Marlin, um, just, just a, it's hard to talk about everything, but just to kind of put things together. You, you talk about poverty, lack of support, lack of opportunities, and social barriers like racism and discrimination that can form attitudes that have early in life. And you expound on that because one of the, the, the recurrent theme in your book, too, is the strong parents that you have. Yes. And I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. And whether you have a parent or two parents or whether you have a parent that's auntie or uncle, but that is important, don't you think? It absolutely is. And, and again, you know, people have asked me, well, what is the most important lesson contained in the book? It's hard for me to, to pull out, you know, just one or, or, or rank them. I, I think a lot of the um, the lessons, they're, they're something that the reader needs to digest, absorb, and implement, operationalize a lot of these uh, lessons concurrently, simultaneously, uh, not, not just one at a time. However, I, I would say if I had to pick one one of the most important lessons I would say do not let other individuals define who you are mm. that that's something mm. you you need to define yourself mm. but the the other thing is don't forget from from where you 
came. I mean, the fact also acknowledged the fact that in, in most instances there's been somebody who has been your cheerleader, your, your supporter. You know, a lot of times they're behind the scenes. They may be in the shadows. Remember them, recognize them, you know, thank them for what they've done. My father, my, my mother, you know, they both instilled within me the, the knowledge and awareness that my successes were not just a result of my own efforts. There were people behind me, you know, not only my parents, but the, the community, the, the church, their coaches. Um, and, and so remember those people and acknowledge them. It, it, it helps It helps keep you rooted. The other thing is, I mean, an, another important lesson, as we go through our success journey, you know, we, we want to stay and remain steadfast to our goals. However, mm-hmm. we have to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we have to take a step back and, and say, listen, are, are these still, you know, as you grow, are these still mm-hmm. the goals that I want to achieve? I mean, you have to be honest with yourself and, and mm-hmm. open with yourself. You may actually want to pivot. Uh-huh. You may want to mm-hmm. pivot and take a different direction. Mm-hmm. My, my son, uh, Trey, he was in the doctoral program in physical therapy down at Cleveland State, mm-hmm. and uh, he did the, the classwork, and it was a very hard program to get into. He had to do a lot of volunteer work and research to get into the program. He graduated from Texas Tech mm-hmm. um, with a bachelor's. But after he did his classwork, he got into his clinicals, and he, he felt that really you know, that wasn't something that he wanted to continue to pursue. So he went to the Ohio Media School. He's in broadcasting now. Ah. I mean, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want the sense the, the people, you know, to achieve their goals, but we also want people to be happy in their lives and, and satisfied with their, their line of work. I mean, they're going to be doing it for, what, 40 years? I mean, right, maybe right. longer. It's, it's, you know. Um, and I might I know, add, isn't, um, he che- isn't he a chess master? Is he a chess master as well? Yeah, he's, he's yeah he's a national uh, mm. master. Um, I'm yeah. giving you yeah, a oh, shameless yeah. plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, yeah he teaches chess. Yeah, he's a he's a remarkable individual. And then uh, you know I hear him on radio shows sometimes, and I'm I'm thinking the first time I heard him, he was on WOVU uh, reading some public service. Uh, uh, okay, the announcements. Okay, written. Mm-hmm. and I heard this guy say, "Well, that guy sounds very professional." And I, it, it took me a while to realize it was him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's 28, and as a parent, you know, a lot of times you still see your 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 children as you know little kids, or whatever, you know. But but uh, no, I, I'm amazed, and and I listen to uh, his work and his remarks on some of the talk shows he's been on, and I, and I learn a lot, you know, by listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you know, it makes me proud that he's become the you know the person that he is, and and I have. Uh, you know, three daughters, I'm proud of them as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I felt I needed to assemble my thoughts and, and pass back to, you know, pay it uh, forward and, and disseminate this information, and, and you know, that, that I've been fortunate enough to have, have acquired over the years. And and, and hopefully some, some students, some other people will, will, you know, read the book and, and benefit, benefit from, you know, the, the lessons contained in the book as well. Yes, and I know that they will. And I appreciate you taking the time to write this book. And so we want to end, end right now, but we want to give a, a, a summary. Let's kind of give a summary. What advice you would give to our men of color pertaining to being proactive and taking care of themselves? You know, what advice would you give to those folks that are listening to everyone that's listening? Yeah, thank you. You know, when I, when I grew up, um, Back in the 60s and 70s in a small town, Newcastle, Indiana, I had wonderful role models for for parents. Um, But as I was growing up, my father would routinely tell me, and I didn't understand fully what he was talking about. He would say, nobody cares about black men. And, you know, as I grew up, matured, I I got a better understanding, uh, you know, of the world and what he was referring to. I I saw how hard he worked and in many situations how he was discriminated against and, and he always told me it's my responsibility to use my education to give back to the community. Mm. And as I grew and I went through my medical training, it hit me that I had a medical education that I could use to benefit not only each individual patient who came before me in, in the exam room, but on a larger scale, the community at large, locally, statewide, and nationally. And that, that's why I do what I do. But my message to men is you matter. Mm. And, and one, one reason why, in, in particular, men of color find themselves in the predicament that they find themselves in 
it's because of the lived experiences, the, the stressors, the discrimination, the racism, the microaggressions that has basically in, enveloped their, their lives to where in many situations, again, I'm not stereotyping every individual, but in many mm-hmm. situations, black men have been led to believe that what happens to them and that their lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. And what I say is that you do matter. You you, you are important. You matter to your family, your friends, your community. And get a health check. Go, go get a health check because you matter. Mm-hmm. And we're providing opportunities. We're trying to break down the barriers, lack of access to health care. Uh, I, I know in many situations because of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and other, you know, <laughs> historical, uh, you know, occurrences that, that many men of color are reticent or reluctant to to get a health check, or there may be suspicions of doctors and hospitals. Here at Metro Health, we, we, we have culturally sensitive, culturally competent healthcare providers. Everybody is on board with serving the community for the past 186 years at, at Metro Health Hospital. Um, we're, we're creating these programs with, with you in mind, so we, I, we, we implore you to take advantage of the opportunities that are being presented. And again, my message is you don't have to come to Metro Health. There are other healthcare institutions that are outstanding. You know, go to whichever healthcare institution it's easier, easiest for you to go to. There are many opportunities. We, but again, my message is to take advantage of the opportunities and, and get a health check. You don't have to have any signs or symptoms or pain or discomfort or bleeding to have some of these serious health conditions. And the only way you're going to know is by getting screened. Uh, we we want to detect these conditions while they're in early preventable stages or and or we want to prevent these conditions from starting in the first place. So mm-hmm. there are things that we can do. And, we, we want to work with you to improve your health. And one last thing, too, Dr. Modlin, and, I, and I'm struck because I've had so many of my male friends who have many of you saved, but many who are dead now because, and I guess I would just sort of add a dovetail on what you're saying, Listen to your doctor. You know, so many times, and I don't want to cast a wide net, and correct me if I'm wrong, our African-American men and maybe just men in general choose a treatment with respect to prostate cancer for reasons that might not save their lives, if you understand what I'm saying. And when those choices are made, they're dead. So I just, you know, sometimes I just would encourage all those male friends that I have listened to the physician, and your goal here is to be alive in another 20 years. Am I right? No, precisely. And we can help improve the health and maintain the health of men, women, children. But we need to have an audience with you. You know, we, we need you to understand the importance of these preventative health screenings so that, you know, you're not a statistic. I mean, I, I've seen men present in, with late-stage prostate cancer to where we can't really do too much about it. Mm. You know, to help them, we can mm-hmm. we can ease help ease their pain, but we can't cure the cancer. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes with colorectal mm-hmm. cancer, kidney disease, heart disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's um, there's a lot that we as a community, as a group of individuals, need to learn. We also need to pass our family history, health information down, you know, to our loved ones, so that they will know, mm-hmm. you know, which conditions mm-hmm. are prevalent in the family, so they will know mm-hmm. which screenings are most important mm-hmm. for them to get as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. This has been great. Yes, it has been great. And so we thank you once again for coming on our show yes. to, to drop a lot of good tips for us. Absolutely, absolutely. After all of this, we want people to go and um, purchase and find your book. So how can people, first of all, get in touch with you, but then also where can they find and purchase your book? Yeah, the book actually is available up on Amazon. It's, it's available up on uh, Barnes & Noble. That, that's online. Uh, I'm working to get it in um, local bookstores. People can also email me, and I can give you the email address. It's called it's, um, okay. contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, contact, mm-hmm. and then the at sign, drmodlinmd.com. Okay. And, you know, they, they can okay. um, get a hold of me um, um, there. That, that would be, um, you know, one of the best ways in which they can reach me. Well, thank you once again. This is thank a great you so interview. Much. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And then I would just add that, that individuals who are uh, wishing to, um, you know, schedule an appointment with me. Yes. Um, you know, they can call the uh, Metro Health um, appointment line. 
Okay. And uh, reach me as well. Uh, 216-778-4391 All is, right. is one of the phone numbers. Great. Okay. Fantastic. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this ends our show, D. So do you have some tips that we should think about? Yeah, you know, it was just a fantastic show with Dr. Maudlin. Um, as I said to him, he's the personification of African-American men's wellness, certainly in Northeast Ohio, Cleveland area as well. He gave us some really good pointers today on, you know, how, how African-American health care disparities, but particularly health care disparities as it relates to, um, you know, prostate cancer with him being a transplant doctor and a urologist. And he just kind of talked about how men need to be more proactive with their health. Mm-hmm. We need to start screening, screening for prostate cancer, and African-American men should start at 40. So, and his book, talking about his book, was great. Oh, yes. He said it should be in the hand of every student and beyond. Yes, his book is is amazing because it really, you know, talks about his life, but also, you know, it talks about uh, and gives us the the motivation to not give up, not give up, just have those learn and have those skills and that education and all of that to help you as you navigate through the challenges, you know, of your life and then also your career. So as the book says, and he says it, it isn't difficult to do it if you you know how to do it, if you know how to do it. Exactly, exactly. So make sure you go, go on Amazon and look, Barnes and Noble, you can go online and look for that book. It isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. And Dr. Maudlin is at the Metro Health Hospital. Those of you that are in Northeast Ohio, he's open for appointments. So you can go and get signed up for an appointment with Dr. Maudlin. To get scheduled with Dr. Charles Maudlin, call this number 216 216- Seven seven eight four three nine one. That's two one six seven seven eight four three nine one. And to get in touch with Dr. Charles Modeling for any other information, for information about his book, and just to find out more about Dr. Charles Modeling. You can email him at contact at drmodlinmd.com. All right. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.